they'd only just moved here, but I just sort of said, well, why aren't you using the neutral soil? And they just hadn't had someone to spray it out. So I was like, mm. well, I'll get spraying straight away. And um, uh, probably within 12 months, we'd stopped using those drenches and I haven't used them since in sort of 15 years. So, um, and I just thought there's no need to anymore. Like, because the, the animals are healthy. They're not, they're not dying. Yeah. Um, so, so that was, that was a real big eye opener for me. And, um, and then the preferential grazing, um, any, any paddock I'd spray Nutrisol in, the animals would just um, beeline to. Um, and sometimes it was hard to get them out of there. You'd pick them out and they'd break back in and you couldn't work out why, but um, apart from that, you'd, you'd sprayed that paddock recently. And yeah, and even when it was bare, they'd still go back in there and like, it's bare, <laughs> what are you going back in there for? But, um, so that was a few things that I noticed, but particularly, yeah, that, that animal health, real big thing, yeah. The Biological Farming Roundtable podcast helps farmers explore innovative, low-input, regenerative and profitable farming systems. The Biological Farming Roundtable is sponsored by Nutrisoil, an award-winning biological liquid fertiliser made from a big worm farm. Nutrisoil's purpose is to empower farmers to produce life-enriching food. My name is Nicola Maddock. I work at Nutrisoil. I envisage a future where farmers are rewarded for producing nutrient-rich foods and consumers have this easily available to them. Hello everyone, Michaela Maddock here from Nutrisoil. Uh, today I'm here with David Hardwick from Soil Land Food, agroecologist. G'day everyone. David is co-hosting with me. And today we are interviewing the dashingly handsome Darren Maddock. I can say that because Darren is my husband. <laughs> and we're interviewing Darren about life as a worm farmer at Nutrisoil. So Darren, um, I'll open the first question. Can you share with us uh, what inspired you to join the Nutrisoil worm family business? It was a, certainly a build up of um build up of uh, life experiences, uh, probably starting back in um, high school um, as, as a dairy farmer. Um, I uh, studied in agriculture and geography in school. They uh, taught us a few interesting um, things about uh, sustainable agriculture and um, um, permaculture and we had some um, interesting teachers with some um, radical ideas which aren't radical anymore but back in the um, early 80s they certainly were. Um, so I took quite, quite an interest in um, in the ethics of um, ethical farming, I suppose you'd say, and um, in, in, in the environment. So um, I was interested in animal health, um, soil health particularly, um, and was, I was particularly against chemicals. So for just a natural natural thing, but um, um, but obviously there were, there seemed to be a need for it. But um, I, I was still uh, not comfortable with it. I'm still not, but um, but back in the day I was, yeah. Um, so from from it's there, way back when you're really at home in my farm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so your old man was running the farm. You were helping him, and yep. he started to dabble in basically in making some worm products or making having a worm farm on the dairy. Yes, that's where it sort of started. That's where it started. We did certainly a lot of waste um, uh, to manage on. on the dairy farm particularly, um, they always used to run a piggery as well back mm. back in the day. But um, 
So yeah, it was um, these effluent ponds and this, at times, this runoff and that, and mm. yeah, it was, there was a lot of uh, faecal matter to sort of yep. manage. Yep. Uh, there's other words for it, but, um, but yeah. Um, and they could see the benefits of it, um, of the waste, uh, and, but it was, it was how to manage it. And coming, coming across, I suppose, some alternative ideas at um, places like um, the Seymour uh, field, field days. Field days. Yep. They might be called the alternative field days or whatever, but uh, yeah, um, a long, long time ago, sort of mid nineties, um, they sort of come across a few ideas um, to deal with this waste and, um, and the vermiculture was, or the worm farming, compost worm farming. Um, that was, that was where it sort of started, I guess, um, uh, with, with, uh, the Maddox out at Yakandana, or Graham particularly, and um, Graham and, and my mum, Lynn. Um, so yeah. you, you were around then helping them out on the farm and then slowly that worm business was growing in terms of not just using it for the home farm, but Graham started to go out and try and, and people would approach him maybe to buy some local farmers. Is that how it sort of started to grow? That's, that's kind of how it started to grow. Mm. I think um, initially Dub was just trying to get um, other farms set up to manage their own waste with, yep. with the worms, with the but worm um, yeah. Um, so did, did he did a lot of that for years, sort of setting up other um, people's systems. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they did find it, it's quite it's it's almost a full time job. Um, it's another enterprise, basically. Yeah, it, it, be, it became that. It became people hadn't got time to manage it properly, um, so there was quite a high sort of failure rate with them. Um, these sort of systems I was setting up, which is disappointing for, but um, it was just the realization that yeah, it, it's it, it does, does take to do um, it, to do it well. You got to put really focused yeah, effort. Yep, yeah, yeah. Um, they kind of look after themselves. A worm farm also looking after themselves to a degree, but um, but it can also fail very very quickly mm. if if you um, yeah. so keep an eye on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't manage it correctly, so mm. yeah. So that's where the whole term vermiculture recycling system came from. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's how yeah. Uh, Graham introduced yes. it to me, a vermiculture recycling system. Yep, it's a great, it's a great term, yeah. So what was your role as you started to help out in, in the worm farm side? Because you, you were milking cows. Yeah. We'll... Shifting faecal matter? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, Initially, um, it was a sort of a standalone product uh, um, uh, project for Dad. Like it was just kind of something that he was dabbling, dabbling with or dabbling in. Um, but as he got bigger and bigger, because he sort of started from small boxes in the shed and sort of just following what the worms are doing and what they were reacting to and what they were enjoyed eating and, and where they thrived and where they where they died pretty much and where they sort of so, and the, the, the worms, they'll, they'll eat anything that was once living. So he wasn't feeding them poison or anything, but sometimes if you're feeding too much of a good thing, you can just kill the whole system. So, so, and he was just always looking for support and just, just to help. Um, so whether it was, um, whether it was just, yeah, helping out with some feeding, helping out with some sort of setup ideas, there's all sorts of, um, Prototype kind of setups. Um, Work out how to arrange the beds and 
Well, even before that, just yeah. in the sheds, just uh, you know, little boxes and then bigger boxes and then timber boxes and um, foam boxes um, and then little sort of metre sort of long beds in, in, in the veggie gardens. Yeah. And you started doing um, small ones like that, which, which were, gave a bit of a microcosm of a, of a larger system. Um, so, and then he went from there into the sort of larger windrows. Hmm. Um, and suddenly we all started jumping on machines. And um, yeah. suddenly, to, to a degree, it became a little bit easier as far as you could do more, so much more with the machines, so much more bulk. And um, you, could, uh, you could start bringing in waste in bulk. And, hmm. um, so where were you starting to bring stuff in? from like food waste or other manures or what was it? Yeah, other, man, other yeah. manures, yeah. Um, particularly pig, well, pig, yeah. chook and um, always always cow manure, but the pig and the chook was um, certainly the higher nitrogen, mm. but the higher volatility as well. So um, they had to, um, they were just worm killers really. Um, yeah. Until, until they- um, Get mixed in and- to, Well, until they were um, properly, um, Sort of compost, I yeah. guess. So the chook manure could take a couple of years. Mm. Um, pig manure might might be as long, but um, but yeah. So yeah. they were um, calm, challenging. Calm them down a bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they were too much for the worms to handle fresh. So yeah. yeah. So in the meantime, you're also like playing music around that time. Yeah. So you you went off and spread your wings a bit and yeah went around playing music. Yeah. After you sort of left school for a bit. That's right. Yeah, I, I studied um, environmental science. Um, I, I began a course in environmental science, which which continued my interest in in that sort of um, that sort of I suppose environmental sort of farming sort of area. Um, so I was certainly interested back in the day. I didn't I didn't finish the course, but um, but um, yeah, it was certainly something that I was passionate about. Yeah. Um, and yeah, always from the um, from an early age, I was always passionate about the music as well. So I sort of, um, just as we're getting out of milking cows, I was playing a lot of sort of live music and um, it was, yeah, it was becoming challenging sort of getting up early milking cows a lot. So coming home late. I was, yeah, coming home late and, and sort of- Getting up early. Being rostered on the next morning, whatever, but, um, but yeah. The family was kind enough to work around us where, mm -hmm. where, where we needed to. So um, a lot of support from dad's dad's brothers and cousins and yeah. So, so kind of the business grew, uh, everything moved down here to near Wodonga here from the farm. Mm -hmm. And obviously you came back into the business to help out. That's correct, yeah. yeah. And um, your old man was still kind of steering the ship, I guess, for a fair few years, but you came in and started to help him run the, the production side of it as a, as a worm farm yes, yeah. at a serious scale now. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, yeah, so that was around about 2010, sort of. We spent some time traveling with um, a young child. Um, and then we moved back from the north, back around 2010. And, um, and I just sort of, uh, I suppose, um, shadowed that, I guess, as far as just Followed him around a lot, and so you um, can't go to Ag College to do worm farming. Like they don't have a diploma in worm farming as such. Not, not that no. I know of. You, yeah. could, you could certainly learn some 
good terms if you went there. Yeah. You'd, you'd learn all the big words, but yeah. um, um, but the practical skills, just sort of following him around, learning learning on the job. Def definitely, yeah. Yeah. It it really takes a few years to sort of get a feel and a handle on sort of um, how the system sort of flows. And there's different systems. We we've got this our particular uh, larger scale worm windrow worm bed sort of setup mm -hmm. um, with capturing a liquid as well, which not not all worm farms would capture li liquid, but um, yeah. So. Um, so you, um, what's it like? You've worked dairying and beef cattle a bit, and then now we're managing worms. I'm assuming the the basics of whether it's worms or cow, dairy cows, or beef cows or sheep or chooks or pigs is pretty much similar. It's about the right environment, air, water, and nutrition is critical. Yeah, and that's that's at the heart of the job is keeping them well fed and in a happy place. Is that in a nutshell? It's pretty similar to other types of livestock. It really, it really is um, vastly different as far as the actual materials and everything, yeah. but um, even the processes, but the bait, the same principles, same yeah. basic principles, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so you're managing a lot of worms here, so they go through a fair bit of food. So what are we talking here, like a semi-load a month of tucker or? Yeah, probably quite a few semi-loads. Yeah. Um, oh, you could say you could say 100 tonne a month. Yep, right um, on, so just to keep them all fed. That's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no rotational grazing out on the pastures. It's all got to come in, <laughs> in for these guys, yeah. And well, what's the sort of feed quality? Like what's the key, the core of making sure they're well fed? What's the balance of food you've got to be mindful of? Um, yeah, look, we always, we know the, uh, the worms love the sort of carbon sort of base materials. Mm. They love the housing. Yeah. Um, so whether it's, in, the, in your backyard, people are going to be using newspapers or cardboard. Yeah. But um, shred them up. Yeah. Yeah. But we we like to use sort of uh, good clean wheat straw mostly, um, or different straws, but um, yep. mostly wheat straws are sort of the best for us. Um, and yeah, pasture haze and that sort of thing mm. is good as well. But we yep. like yeah, we like the, they like they like the um, fibrous wheat straw. Yeah, so, right. Um, so if you're home and you've got like the shredder to shred the paper in the office, that stuff's all right. For, yeah, it'll work. No, yeah. no, definitely, yeah, definitely for the home. Yeah, you know the can of worms sort of system or the backyard sort of system. Mm. Um, so they get their carbs and, and good clean carbohydrates. And what about the protein and yep. micronutrients and all their yeah uh, key requirements? Yeah, we get sort of um, oh, vegetable and fish wastes and. Um, um, even some paunch from um, from some abattoirs and that, which is yeah. actually quite a quite a good um, uh, product, um, and not it's 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 a, it's, it's a large waste product, so it's um, it's can't do a lot with it, mm. um, but but it works well in a vermiculture system to mix to mix some of it in. Yeah. Um, so you guys have a blending trailer where you feed blender where you blend it all up feed that, mixer that's right yeah, yeah we've got um we've got a few good hard stands yeah. here where we can sort of um store all our materials yeah um there's a, a variety of materials we need to sort of pre-compost um so we'll sort of we'll use the um oldest materials first so we just the way we store it is yeah just um um making sure that we're the fresh stuff gets um 
enough sort of quarantine time to um, yep. recompost and um, yeah. You got some rock phosphate. What just goes in humic acid. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Seaweed. Yep. That kind of thing. Just yep. give them their chilies and spices. And we got yep. some brands and that we yep. get out as well, which yep. is nice. And um, yep. some other minerals and yep. yeah. Um, so do you get seasonal changes? Like we're coming into summer now and it's pretty warm. It's already warming up. Um, but that compared to winter, what's the behaviour of the worms through the through the year? Yeah, they they. Um, they tend to go a bit deeper through the through the hotter hotter times. They're not as um, active in their feeding, is it, at that time of year? Um, but they are. But um, yeah, um, they yeah they tend to um, be a bit harder to find in, in the because they're staying a bit lower down. And, yeah. yeah, and maybe they feed a lot more overnight. And, right. Um, yeah. Rather than that sort of coming out beating sun, sort of yeah. They, yeah. So, do you get any fence jumpers that want to jump from one windrow to another, and you got to like to cull them out? Or yeah, when yeah. things are really wet, you see them yeah. move, on the move. Yeah. Like you know, half of them end up on Mum's um, veranda. <laughs> but, yeah, good um, horror movie and get nice to film like worms coming at you. Across the yeah, like thousands of worms. Yes, raiding your house. Yeah, they don't tend to go anywhere, do they? They don't. They, they, I mean, they're compost worms. They don't go into the soil. But people sort of think they'll disappear into the soil, but they, they like living in that high organic matter. That's that's yeah. correct. Yeah. Yeah. So if you've got soils with high organic organic matter, you might see yeah. some more compost worms in there, but yeah. um, in the first you know, few inches. But yeah. um, otherwise, they're they're soil earthworms. So yeah. So what um, what sort of numbers of earthworms have you got, like per cubic meter, or even just a Sort of bucket full. What sort of number of earthworms are you sort of? I think that's on the back of the um, <laughs> sheet there, is it? Changes so much, we doesn't it? Um, we've we've yeah. done a few worm counts. Remember, we did that shovel worm count, and we we counted. I think we counted six hundred in a, a in shovel. shovel. And yep. I said to Graham, "How many do you think in the shovel?" And he wasn't involved in it at all. And he went, oh, "About six hundred." And I was like. You, know you got it. Yeah, there's a lot of shovels in a windrow. So oh yeah, there's a yeah. Hell of a lot of worms. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So these worm beds, worm beds are um, typically 50 meters long. Yeah, um, three meters wide, mm. uh, at least a meter high. So there's a lot of um, surface area, a lot of um, cubic meterage of um, worm bed. Yeah, <laughs> or worm bed material and um, yeah, yeah. And the faecal matter is so clean because the worms, it's it's the castings, so the yep. worms have um, processed it. They've done the job on it. Completely, yeah. yeah. The worms and all their um, associated microbes mm. have completely um, cleaned. So the bed's their the kind of home. It's kind of like a windrow, which is like a bed of worms and castings. It's their home, and you feed them. Like, is there a few years after a few years? Do you have to kind of do a full renovation on a bed, or do you? Kind of does it run out of path for you? Go, no, we've got to kind of renovate it at this point. How does that sort of work? Yeah, look, they can last for 10 years or they yeah. can last for two years, but okay. um, sometimes it depends on the um, the surface where you start. Yeah, you might you might find you've you've hit a bit of a springy area and you haven't realised, and it's and then it's things start to deteriorate if you haven't got that sort of that ground sort of right. Mm. Um, other times, yeah, you can get blockages. Uh, that's for, for the liquid sort of systems. Um, mm. We need the liquid to be flowing, not getting sort of blocked up and and draining out the sides. Yeah, yeah. going and yeah, yeah going yeah. anaerobic. Um, yeah. 
so yeah, there's times if, if a bed is not functioning well for a period of time, we'll just eventually bite the bullet and, and just um, re redo. Yep. Just pull the whole thing up and, and just start again, yeah. Yep. You try and avoid that, but sometimes you just have to, yeah. Mm. Otherwise, if you manage it well, you can get at least 10 years out of a bed. Well, you, well, you can, yeah. And there's a variety of different ways of setting it up, but um, we haven't found a one sort of foolproof way yet, but, um, yep. but we keep um, trying different drainage systems and, yeah, there's... Always on the improve. Always yeah. Always trying to improve it. Yeah. yeah. So, you, so you feed them regularly, like every couple of weeks or every week they get a dose of food across the top? Yeah, probably every sort of three or four weeks. But yeah, um, they're getting yeah. A, a, a dose of food and they're getting watered and they get, they get irrigated or watered the beds with clean water but also with the reticulated um, worm wash. Yep. So it's a mixture of the two going into the, yeah. the top of them. Yeah. yeah. When we've when we've got a large collection of um, recycled um, liquid, we yeah, we can sort of do quite a lot of uh, reticulating that through back through the system. Or so yeah. Other times, if we're a bit lower, then we sort of call on sort of we got well water or dam water or the rain rainwater is the yeah. absolute best. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when obviously when things are dry. Need to, from the sky. Those backup, backup yeah. sources. Yeah. 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 So it's so. a fine balance between too much water in the bed and not enough. Like that's obviously a bit of a sweet spot that you've got to always keep. It, it is, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's always talk of sort of 60 to 80% moisture, but um, that, can, that can change. Mm. Yeah, you, can't, you sometimes can't control it with, with it being out. We've set up out in the um, open, so yeah. we're, we're um, yeah, out in the elements, so yeah, so it's up and down anyway <laughs> with the heavy rainfall events. And it's been a challenging couple of years with the wet. Oh, look, it's been it has been um, it has been challenging. We've had sort of runoff coming off the um, paddocks out in the front because they're a bit elevated, so they they're, they're running into our worm beds and mm. at the worst of it. So that's that's not very helpful. But um, um, that just all gets collected, and we've got a lot of storage now. So we've we've probably got one and a half million litres of where we can store yeah, right. store liquid because um, yeah. otherwise it runs down the road. So, yeah. so yeah. we've invest, invested in sort of large tanks to um, be able to capture all the liquid that sort of flows through the beds. Yep. So. Yeah. Recently, you've um, there's basically a big book on all of the manifolds and how everything works and where the liquid goes. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. What would you like to know? Just um, how many hundreds of valves and <laughs> so it's a pr pretty complex plumbing system um or it, it would be if you didn't have the manual yeah <laughs> and that's um, what you found like when you had you know graham setting it up and then graham may not have um, been well at the time and then darren was trying to work it out like it's like wow where are all these yeah so we we really embarked on that um, there's probably thousands of meters of pipes and then and you've got um, set plan and you've got Valves and taps and um, pumps and um, lots lots of tanks. Um, so you've got an offsider in the team that helps you out with that. Yeah, we've got Rob, Rob who's um, who's a master of um, all, all things. Plumbing. All things really, yeah. But a qualified plumber. Yeah, he's qualified, we really need yeah. it. Yeah, yeah qualified yeah. plumber and um, so yeah, he set, he set up um, set up the system so as. Just yes, yeah, just so as it flows 
pardon the pun, but so is um, the production sort of. The shit flows, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah just. Um, you don't need to shovel it anymore, it just flows. Well, yeah, more, more so the liquids than that, but yeah, um, yeah so the plumbing, the plumbing setup is just um, really streamlined. It's all sort of centralised, so we can control pretty much everything from one central um, pump shed location. Um, so we can sort of go in there and decide what what we want to move where, mm. but we need to go through the manual and and it will tell you which uh, valve to turn on, which they're all marked and yep. labelled, yep. which pump to turn on. Um, mm. So if you follow the manual, you'll get it right. If you yep. do, if you if you try and guess, you might you may yeah you may fail. So yeah, and that can have big consequences for the worms if you don't get it right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, or yeah. Or or you, stock, sometimes you'll stock, see yeah. <laughs> firm liquid might have gone into the chalk <laughs> or something, yeah. which isn't a bad thing. It's actually a probiotic, but we don't sell it like that because we haven't haven't had that tested. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the day in the life, I guess. You know, you come to work. You're a worm farmer. Five a.m. Yeah, like a dairy farm. It's a bit later. I mean, I know you are a cattle and a sheep farmer as well, and my horses. Thank you. Um, but you know, what do you do day in the life? Just step us through Monday morning. 4am, bell goes. <laughs> Cows have got to be milked. No, earthworms have got to be looked at. <laughs> no, I'll get there milk. at 10 o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> We're nearly milking them, aren't we? Yeah. In a natural way. Yeah. No milk will probably worth. <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah, so if it's a feeding week, yeah, we'll, we'll um, just um, prepare the worm beds for for feeding. So we'll yeah, remove hoses, uh, watering sort of hoses. Um, We'll get get feeds ready to um, to process together. So we'll just um, be getting our straw and our hay and our other additives um, out. We'll have we've got tanks, we've got tanks of fish and tanks of um, liquid seaweed. Different things we've got to get out and get prepared to um, add to the mix. So yeah, we'll, and we'll start uh, mixing up this feed and, and spreading it out onto the worm beds. Um, there's a lot of monitoring going on, like you're always keeping your eyes on the beds quite closely to see how the worms are going. They, they you know, they respond on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, with um, with sort of the comprehensive QA program we we've established. Um, yeah, that we've sort of monitoring weekly. Um, we also monitor daily, just um, just having a look really, but mm. um, to do formal formal monitoring and then just. Constantly keeping an eye on things on top of that. Yeah, yeah. Rob's take Rob's taken over this sort of QA area, so he's um, he's sort of measuring temperature and and worm health and and breeding sort of um, breeding results and um, um, yeah, that's that's some of the main things. And recording all the feeds and the amounts you're putting in yep. and, and the response that the worms may have. I mean, that's one of your biggest challenges, isn't it? Like. It's it's um, unpredictable. Worms can be unpredictable. They can they can be, um, and it's usually if you if you're trying or experimenting with a new a new feed or a new waste. Um, they respond to that because they're quite sensitive because they've built up a yeah. microbiome on the feed you're giving them, and then all of a sudden you throw yeah. that out, like giving the cow something quite different, and it's room and it's got to take time to adjust. I guess. Yeah. So from it happens regularly, but um, we. We don't always have a guaranteed um, set of wastes that we can, 
can call on. So sometimes there's variations and mm. sometimes you've got to um, compromise, not in a bad way, but just we've got to, you've got to be willing to um, try different materials, try different different wastes. Um, yeah, so um, that can definitely have an effect if, mm. yeah, so we... So how have you seen, like obviously, over, I mean, I've been sort of involved with you guys um, looking in from the outside a bit since for about 10 years nearly. Mm. And it's obviously grown a lot. It's, you know, you're, you're building the business. It's, so it's, you're tightening up procedures and things as you do, mm. as you have to do when you're growing, you've got more team in there. Yep. And at the heart of it though, is this worm liquid. And, you know, you obviously got a strong focus on the quality of that liquid. So you can still see despite the growing and the procedures and you know larger scale we're still at the heart it's all about that high quality liquid coming out at the end of the day yeah keeping the worms happy at whatever scale you're at so you feel you're, you're still on that target still achieving that goal of a really high quality worm worm liquid product yeah 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 definitely um not not a lot changes um as in the, the, the feeds we're feeding them are sort of high quality and um the process haven't changed a lot, so um, still getting that same consistent product. Yeah, that you started. More the on. testing yeah. is changing really, yeah. and, and Darren's probably not as involved in the testing, more the monitoring and the production side. Then it goes over to your research mm. and development of testing. Mm. So apart from the liquid, obviously castings, there's a bit of a market for castings these days. Yeah, definitely, yeah. So you guys are harvesting castings from beds too, and you've got beds that are set up more for harvesting castings than that's, liquids. That's, that... that's correct, yeah. yeah. We've, in the last 12 months, we've yeah, established, a, well, the last probably two years really, but we've established um, quite, a, quite a large system of um, Castings only beds, yeah. So. yeah. so what's the difference in managing a bed for castings as opposed to your liquids? It's really much the same. We probably don't um, we don't need to um, water as much. Um, generally, the worms can provide almost enough moisture. Apart from those really hot, dry times, mm. in the air, we would we would just keep enough moisture in the in the um, in the beds to sort of so that they're happy. Um, yeah. Um, and those, how many years before you'd kind of fully harvest them or do you just part take castings and let them keep going or how's it sort of run? Yeah, look, it's, it's optional. You can, you can, you can sort of do a, like, like you say, just take part, mm. take your part out or, um, or you can um, move all the worms to um, a new location and take all the castings away, which we did last, last season, but, um, the demand for casting-based products is growing, is it, in the business? It really, it really, it really is. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess we're just um, working between bulk and and sort of uh, smaller amounts, as as in um, what's sort of suiting most most people, I guess. But. Um, mm. We've had challenges, I guess, with the castings in the screening. So when people would purchase it, it it was just compromised by rocks or they'd find twine or, and it was just, it, it was um, not something that we were comfortable in sending out because we never get complaints and yep. we, were, we were getting complaints. Yep. So we, we never advertised it, it wasn't on our website. Um, and then we, we got a screener, we got the 10 mil screener and we were like, yes, this is fantastic. Still we're getting rocks. Mm. Uh, so then we had to go down to uh, three and a five mil 
screener and that's really and and screening straight into a bag so especially the extract people they they really need that fine um using a tone for need that yeah. fine um yeah. uh, castings um but if you're spreading it bulk going through the 10 mil screener is fine you know the rocks you you quite like putting the rocks out um when you're aerating and they're rocks, so they're, they're tiny, they're only sort of... Yeah, yeah. 10 mil. Gravel, <laughs> small gravel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's also wood chips in it, so, you know, home for the fungi and, and yeah. things like that. So that's, Darren would prefer to put that... Yeah, if, on your if I was broadcasting it onto property, I'd, I'd be using the 10 mil. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Yeah. Even the stuff that's unscreened is okay, but occasionally you'll get a lump or something, yeah. which Got not very much. The, 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 a few bigger stones, but not... Yeah, they look they look worse than they are. They're just yeah because you, you notice them, but they're actually a small proportion yeah. of it, and that's, they can yeah. That's exactly right, but yeah, yeah but it's um, us our human intervention. You know, we want it yeah. to be perfect. We want it yeah. to be flawless, and that's just not you know yeah. how nature works. But the three mil is is certainly wonderful for yeah. these these filters that you have yeah. to go through. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So coming back to your day in the worm farm, so obviously you've got feeding weeks, and then you've just got maintenance, and you know keeping an eye on everything weeks and improving things. But like, can you knock off and take a week off or you've got to be there 24 seven? Someone has to be there checking on them every day, pretty much, or every second day through the year. Is that a fair comment or? Oh, walk, no. You can walk away for a week. And no, we, we can go at Christmas time and sort yeah. of happily leave them for a week. Yeah. Um, as in, we, we just make sure they're fed and, and yeah, moisture. Yeah, been fed and watered. Yes. Yeah. And you're happy to um, and yeah, you could you could go away for two or three weeks. Mm. Um, yeah. You even have an automated system with an app, and you can just check on it and yeah. water them as needed. But so you can give them, you can have a bit of a break from it. Def definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, my, no, certainly, yeah. Because um, they do look after themselves to to a certain degree. Mm. Yeah. Um, but so, they will get hungry, you know, yeah. <laughs> and they know. They keep eating and reproducing. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 You talked about um, some products that may kill worms or, you know, if they get hungry, like what, what things can go wrong in the health of those worms? And too what many, have you seen? Too many potato chips. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, oh, probably the, one of the surprising things was, was uh, feeding them too much seaweed a long time ago. Uh, they, They're not Japanese, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they didn't um, didn't appreciate that. It was a long a long time ago, but um, I guess I guess they don't live in the ocean, do they? So yeah, certainly smaller amounts um, was much more sort of palatable for them. What did you notice? Did they just ball up and die, or they and just it, didn't reproduce? They'll, they'll ball up and die when when you um, when you have those heating issues, which is a kind of a lack of oxygen, and you get the um, the anaerobic microbes sort of um the heat builds up in you. Yeah, they cause that they they get they mm. they cause this feeding frenzy which is which is friction and that's the that's the heat that's involved in um yeah and that's where the worms will come into the feed and then find that um uh it's way too hot and they just ball up and die. And when you say ball up, are they actually in a ball together? Pretty much, yeah. Like, like huddled a, um, together looking for help from each like other. A, it like sounds a, awful. Like a cricket ball, yeah. I wonder why they do that. Cricket ball or a small paddy melon or something, just sort of, they just clump together. Mm. Um, it's, it's probably about, it's probably too late by then. Yeah. 
you can never get to that point. Well, you can try and separate them and hope they survive, but it's just it's too late. Gone so. past the point, yeah. So you just yeah, and that that can happen in pockets, but um, or it can happen wide stream. Like it can, it can happen, you could kill a lot in in two days if mm. you if you allowed that. So you got to mm. you got to aerate. You got to you got to be mindful of what materials you're mixing. Because um, whatever yeah. whatever you mix together, there's going to be a reaction. So yeah, and not um, give them too much food at, at once. Yeah. 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 You know, that um, chokes out their oxygen as well, mm. and um, um, and it, yeah, the processes that are going on um, are new and um, throw, throws that that bed's in equilibrium, and you're not trying, you don't want to throw it out too much. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. So if you uh, if you feed too thick, it it just smothers them. Well, you, you've just got to aerate it. Yeah. So the, the thicker you feed it, the more you need to aerate it. Mm. Um, and if you got if you're feeding materials that are that are very sort of porous, like as in clumpy and open, a lot of straw, there's a lot more air. If you feed a really fine, the density mix, can be too much. Yeah, yeah, it can it can really just seal over a real fine, real fine feed. So mm. you, you try and not pro so less processed, I suppose. Yeah. So there's lots of air pockets yep. in the feed. The yep. wood chips and the rocks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I wouldn't worry about rocks, but. <laughs> a little bit of rocks. So that's the joy of having a big worm system, isn't it? They can move away from the heat and, and they can move away from the, you know, heat of the sun as well as the heat of the feed. Yep. They don't like something. Yeah, yeah if you're lucky, yeah. Otherwise it's too late. It's generally too late, but um, so if you're, if you if you accidentally set it up to fail, it, yeah, that's what sort of happens. So it's, um, yeah, it's. So are you a member of a worm farming industry? Like, is there a worm farming industry where worm farmers get together? Like, all the regeners are getting together and having <laughs> forums and field days and workshops. What about worm farmers? They get together. Oh, we just sit at the back of their groups. We just. Yeah, right. So we just uh, don't having your own field days. <laughs> But Not, there's a few. I mean, the industry's growing in terms yeah. of regen ag and biologically based agronomy and all this kind of thing. So obviously, the demand for worm-based products is growing, and yeah, absolutely, you guys have grown and you've been in it from for a long time. This whole alternative ag, whatever label we want to give it, at yep. any point in time. But yep. where do you see it headed, Darren? Like, where do you see it's sort of continuing to get more broad appeal and people are using worms as part of their programs more and more? Well, potentially the waste is growing as well. So um, for, for Australia to deal with its, its waste yeah. sort of... Um, yeah, there's millions of tonnes of yeah. food waste that need to be dealt with. You've got food factories here in Albury Wodonga that have lots of waste products yeah. to manufacture foods. And We've got some on the shelf over here, actually. Yep. That, um, so dropped it, off. it's a really good way to turn agricultural biomass, I'm not mm. going to call it waste, but yeah. food, what food biomass, agricultural biomass into a, to really positive products. Absolutely. And it seems that the that farmers and graziers are changing to more biologically based approaches yep. to things. So worm is a, a bit of a, a fit into that. Yeah, yeah abs absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the way you, you build carbon and, and healthy soil is just by, you know, being a big, biodigester really so we're speeding up that process and getting um, those recycled things just yeah. biodigesting that's how the whole world runs really yeah and we're, we're kind of mim mimicking that what, what happens in the paddock 
where you've got your earthworms in the paddock, getting what, what um, organic material they can and then turning that into castings, build, building your topsoil. So we're just kind of mimic, mimic, uh, mimicking that process in, um, in, in a in controlled, intensive... In controlled environment. Yeah, yeah. controlled environment, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So using the products on your farm, you've, you've used them most of your farming life. How, yeah. how do you use them and what results do you get? Are you ever, you know, do you use other things? Tell us about your farming methods. Haven't, um, it's been a long time since I've used, apart from a little black, bit of blackberry spray, um, haven't used anything else um, for sort of, yeah, as, as long as I can remember, but so the last sort of 12, 15 years, just been using the um, Nutrisol and, and the castings. Yeah, so we were able to broadcast the castings with a belt spreader. You get mates rates from Nutrisol or not? Yeah, <laughs> well, it's Nutrisol property, so I, yeah. yeah. Um, and do you add lime sometimes with it or? Um, not, f no, not generally, no, no. Um, but one of the first things I did notice was that sort of, the sort of stock health, I guess, and the um, preferential grazing, but um, we had a lot of issues with um, selenium and um, I was thinking selenium deficiency here, or iodine deficiency, I think was um, with the sheep. So there was quite a lot of deaths happening. That was- When you first moved to this- When we first property. moved to this property, yeah. So that was, so mum was drenching with, um, you know, added selenium and, and iodine drenches and things like that. And they'd only just moved here, but I just sort of said, why, why aren't you using the Nutrisol? And they just hadn't had someone to spray it out. So I was like, mm. well, I'll get spraying straight away. Mm. And um, um, probably within 12 months, we'd stopped using those drenches and I haven't used them since in sort of 15 years. So, um, and I just thought there's no need to anymore. Like, cause but the, the animals are healthy. The they're working. not. They're not dying. Yeah. Um, so. So that was that was a real big eye opener for me, and um, and then the preferential grazing. Um, any any paddock that I'd spray Nutrisol in, the animals would just um, beeline to. Um, and sometimes it was hard to get them out of there. You'd kick them out, and they'd break back in, and mm. you couldn't work out why. But um, apart from that, you'd, you'd sprayed that paddock recently, and. Yeah, and even when it was bare, they'd still go back in there and like, it's, it's bare, <laughs> what are you going back in there for? But, um, so that was a few things that I noticed, but particularly, yeah, that, that animal health, real big thing, yeah. Um, so did you, when you were a young fellow, did you see your future as being a worm farmer or did you see it in your possible? I, yeah, I probably didn't know that existed when I was, when I was younger, but yeah. um, I, was, I was always interested in farming. Um, Definitely, um, and some sort of, um, yeah, more of a natural approach, I guess. Um, um, just, yeah. just, just got animals that don't have, well, they're not, they're invertebrates rather than animals. They've got no legs and no eyes, but they yeah, still got the same challenges. Yeah. yeah. But it probably comes from your parents, just healthy, healthy upbringing. Yep. They were quite involved in uh, like USANA, which is um, yeah, vitamins and vitamins and any type of health type of product. Yeah, all sorts, all sorts of things like that. Yeah, animal your, chemical. Your green, your green sort of juices, your um, barley, yeah. 
barley, yeah, the wheat, wheat juices and, and yeah. yeah, yeah, it was, um, yeah, and all, all the natural things we got off the farm, the, the, the milks and the, we probably didn't make yogurt as much, but um, but we used to eat a lot. We used to buy a lot from the from the dairy factory, but <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean. A lot of people um, probably know me or Rochelle or Justin from Nutrisol, but you, you're definitely the introvert uh, out there. Yeah. Um, not out there. Not out there. <laughs> the one, the one <laughs> in the corner. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about you. Not many people know Darren Maddox. What? Well, um, I don't know. I suppose I've got a, I've got a big heart for a lot of, a lot of. Um, a lot of things, big heart for the for the planet and for very passionate about my music. Um, Yoga, pretty good recently. skier. Good skier, yeah. Good skier, well, yeah. Well, you can get from top to bottom. I can get from top to bottom. It's so yeah, nice, so On the slopes, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like me, I've always loved my sport. Um, football and tennis and, um, but yeah, it's been, for me, the last 30, Five years has been a lot of a lot of music, yeah. Um, always sort of playing in bands and weekends and on, on my own and guitar and singing and um, a whole bunch of other instruments and writing writing a lot of music sort of in the last sort of three or four years. Um, and strangely, a lot of uh, songs are written um, are kind of um, leading towards sort of. Uh, sort of natural type lyrics, sort of even sort of not not so much farming. I'm not singing about farming, but just sort of natural ways of life. That just seems to come out. You go to write a song, and suddenly you find yourself singing about the earth, or you know, the sunshine, or nature. Carly, Carly Simon, Neil Young, sort of stuff. Wow, well, the psychedelics. Maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. It's just it's like, what's this? Why is this stuff coming out? And it just yeah. comes. It just flows out naturally, and you yeah. can't. Yeah, you can't well, stop probably, it. <laughs> probably what makes songwriting effective when it's just coming out from you naturally. So yeah. 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 yeah, so Blame it on the worms, mate. Blame it on the worms. Blame it on the worms, yeah, yeah it's a good song, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um what else? Um yeah, we've got our other little hobby farm and family and um um amazing wife and and life. Um so yeah, um very thankful for um for yeah, my life and, and what's been provided for me. I've got a, a, a Christian faith as well, and um, and yeah. Um. So working in the family farm, you know, with the family, being an introvert, <laughs> what what sort of um, challenges do you come come up with family dynamics in a family business? Oh, I think it's for me. It's sort of hard to be heard sometimes. Um, I don't have the loudest megaphone like everyone. Some people do, but um, but I've, I eventually um, worm my way in there. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon the pun. So it's just yeah, you, you bide your time, I suppose, or yeah, um, to try and make sure your voice is heard. In the, yeah, the just decision. try and feel relevant, or try yeah. and feel um, involved, included. Um, and if you can't do it by being the loudest in the room, you just find other ways to sort of um, be in the mixture. Um, yeah, they're challenging. When you have a family 
also running a business together, there's always challenges in it. But mm. You guys have done really well in Nutrisol, so hey. yeah. With your help too, David, I might say. Oh, just a small help on the side, but yeah, yeah. no, it's, yeah. it's been interesting. Yeah, great to hear about the farming side of the worms because everyone gets the, the liquid and the marketing and the agronomy and the field days. But yeah, it's just getting an insight into what's going on behind the scenes. It's a massive job. How many semis a month are going out of food? Be quite a few. Yeah. Oh. It's out or in? Out, out, being fed to the to the oh. worms. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I guess it's that hundred ton a month, which yeah. I suppose. A couple of semi loads four, of food. Maybe yeah. three or four. So, yeah. yeah. No, it's a lot, a lot of, a lot of work. Yeah. The whole thing function and get, yeah. get good products at the end. Yeah. 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 Getting sourcing them from different places. Yeah. 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 No, there's a hell of a lot to it. Yeah. yeah. So where do you see the future of Nutrisoil? going like the production of of the worms and the setup and yep yeah we've got um we've got expansion plans um basically in place we're ready we're ready for another uh considerable expansion um so it's just when to pull the trigger whether it's whether it's in the next 12 months or the next two years but um um That'll be when we're ready financially, I guess, um, and when when there's that extra demand. But um, so that that expansion for me is about more about quality than quantity. So it's about um, just building a, a larger pool of um, microbes to uh, draw from. So more worms, more microbes. Um, yeah, not not so much more liquid, just just more more quality. Mm. Well, we are growing, you know, just with the industry, the biological mm. regenerative industry is growing. Yeah, um, sustainability in general is growing. So you do need to make more as well. Uh, no, that's that's <laughs> part of it. That's part of it. But um, so yeah, I'm certainly um, keen to um, get that expansion in place uh, sooner than later, just to be that one step ahead. If if, if there is other mini booms mm. and you just never know when yeah, that there could be more more demand. And if someone wanted to make their own worm farm on farm, uh, what advice would you give them? Top three things. Yeah. Home worm farms, top three things. Yeah, well, it depends if they want uh, just a casting sort of base system, which most people might, might prefer that, but um, yeah, look, it's um, you, you need you need to waste. You need the materials. Um, you can't really grow your own feed to feed your worms enough worms. So you need to you need to have sort of close by sort of waste waste streams to sort of draw on. Um, most places do, but um, sometimes yeah, you have to go a long way to get enough feed to sort of keep that system up and running. You need water is going to be important. If you're in a very dry area, if you don't have enough. And not town water, preferably. Well, yeah, you, you can't really guarantee what's in the town water, but yeah, obviously if it's treated water, it's probably going to protect, well, it's going to destroy a certain amount of your microbes. might not kill the worms, but, but it might, might sort of destroy a certain, you know, 
it can affect the composting process with, with treated water, mm. whether it's fluorides or whatever else they put in the waters. But um, yeah, so um, what else? Um, food, water. <laughs> um, yeah, most farmers are going to have machines, so they're going to have machines that can adapt to um, uh, to build a system. Yeah. Um, I guess what you said right at the beginning of the talk about Chad was, you know, when you're on the farm, you and your old man, and you're doing it. You and there was a lot of you're helping other farmers. Your father was going around helping mm. other farmers set up, and yep. not a lot of them got over the line. And it's because of that commitment to making it work and yeah. allocating the time because it is an enterprise and you got to take it seriously so being committed to so that's probably the third yeah, thing is yeah. is the um knowledge know-how commitment yeah. um yeah the willingness to get in there and make yeah. it work and spend the time monitoring them and learning and yeah, yeah. and if you've got a large family then um that, that helps if you've got it some kids that can about help about kids labor yeah right well <laughs> no i'm just like a yeah, yeah. That's a good high school job for kids at high school. Yeah, they can yeah. jump on the tractor and yeah. feed the worms or whatever. But um, yeah, but yeah. Mm. so it's um, so it's not all down to just one farmer trying to yeah, you know, manage five or ten thousand acres and yeah. and yeah, you know, animals and crops and worms as well. Worms as well. Yeah. yeah so, mm. Mm. well, I think that's been a wonderful conversation. Mm -hmm. Not, not a side that we hear a lot from you, from the person that actually makes the product. Mm. Yeah, go um, behind the scenes at Nutrisol, yeah, not is, just getting it? a Carla smiling at you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm normally out there trying to find out everything so that I can actually spread the word, but um, it's great to have you, uh, you know, talking us through. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Darren. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Biological Farming Roundtable podcast. Before we part ways, I would love to give you a sneak peek of one of Darren's many original songs. It's called Testing Times. We hope you enjoy. Test the time.